This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Boom Rookies presented by ESPN. I am Matt Bungard and with me today, Nick Campton. Hello. I got the magic in me, baby. Uh, it is Magic Round Eve. By the time you hear this, it'll be Magic Round Day. So, exciting times Scintillating. ahead. Oh, like if that doesn't wait. get if that doesn't get the blood pumping, if that doesn't make you sit up a little bit straighter, then what are you doing? Then, what, then you're dead inside, my brothers. Yep. Uh, got my got my hair cut by Jordan Rapana's cousin this morning. A Magic Round tradition. Yep, that's right. If you're not if you're not going up to Magic Round with a slick fade, I don't want to know you, man. You got to no, look your best. You have to, um, because it is the biggest weekend of the rugby league year, probably. I mean, the grand finals one day, Origins one day. This is a whole weekend, eight games, back <laughs> ma- to back. A magic weekend, A if magic you will. weekend, some would say. Um, yeah, dude. Fuck, it, crazy. it doesn't feel like it's been a year since we were last up there. Oh, what, I, what I really like about Magic Round is how quickly it's become such a big part of the rugby league calendar. Mm. You know, I, um, I remember when it first came in, the first one in 2019, and as soon as they announced it, I was like, yeah, I'm going to this for sure and like in the lead up there was all this talk like there was a lot of sniping about how oh no one's gonna go and it's actually gonna there suck there was a lot of sniping there was You're a right. lot there was a lot it's but that's just how rugby league operates snarky. like we love we love being snarky towards anything that might be new or innovative like even state of even people people didn't even believe in state of origin when they first went to it in oh am i like, to believe that it's mate against mate <laughs> State against state, maybe. I could understand that. But mate against but mate. But mate against mate. Not a, preposterous. Mm. Yeah, some very prominent voices said State of Origin would never, state of origin would never work. Just like there's some very prominent voices that said Magic Round. Not us. Would never ever work. Not us. We were always believers. I've been up every year they've had it. I think you've only missed, you only missed the first missed one. the first one. Yep. But, um, yeah, been to the last two, yep, obviously. Straight, straight into it. Um, this is the... This, they've had every single one's been in Brisbane. There's a little bit of talk every year. That maybe, writing, maybe you should go on the road, uh, but... Uh, this week's column I will be writing will be about why it should stay in Brisbane forever. Well, do you want to just, for the people that, for the well, illiterate ones among us... Okay, so I think most people that listen to this show generally agree with our opinions on like a what, like most things. I know there's a little bit, little pushback here and there, but like, no, I don't think there's, we don't have that many fans who think, oh, we should take it to a regional area, or oh, we should take it to Auckland to thank the Warriors, or, oh, or even worse, we should move it to Sydney or Melbourne, like... All terrible ideas. And so, if you haven't been to... I, I don't think there's a single person that's been to a Magic Round. That, yeah, that, that's the thing. Once yeah. you've been there to the, like, the set up in Brisbane, so you never want it to be in anywhere In Brisbane, else. right, you've got Suncorp Stadium, which is the best rugby league stadium in the country. New Allianz and Combank, second and third, probably. Um, and outside that stadium, you've got a brewery on one side of the stadium. You've got a bunch of pubs down the non-Caxon side, like a bit of a walkway. And then you've got Caxon Street, where there's like 20 pubs all within two minutes walk, downhill walk, I might add, to the stadium. And you aren't getting that anywhere else. I mean, the idea... Right, let's start with the regional centres. The idea of like 30,000 to 40,000 fans descending upon Wagga Wagga for a weekend yeah. is logistically a nightmare. And just the idea of trying to cram all these people into like the how many pubs in town and the four motels, like give it a rest. Yeah. That's a terrible idea off the bat. Auckland... A less terrible idea, but still... I mean, I haven't been to Mount Smart, have you? But I haven't, no. But no. I'm, I, I am informed that it's a little bit off the beaten track. Yeah. And I, so I think, if the, and I think if they held it, it'd have to be at Eden Park, okay. which I've also never been to. Okay. But the nines always seem to work pretty well. Mm-hmm. So honestly, if, I, if there was one alternative place... If it had place, to. Say, say an asteroid hit Brisbane yep. and destroyed Suncorp Stadium, mm. I do think the best bet would be Eden Park and in Auckland, but... Even then, that's that's yeah. a very clear. And then, so choice. moving past that one, and then there's like Newcastle again. Hunter Stadium is a great stadium, but it's it's again a little bit out of the way, and you know, it only holds thirty thousand people. I think so. No, well, yeah, I, I think a big a big part of the appeal of Magic Round is the stadiums right in the city, points. and it really takes over the whole then, city. Like I was, so my, my old man's been in Brisbane this week for work, and I was talking to him last night, and he said there's a there's a vibe around the city already. Like everyone's yeah. really excited. About what's coming, and if you have that in Sydney, it's just not going to happen because will, because dude, Sydney, and Sydney is, again, this is the, and this is the last thing. All right, I'm not even indulging moving it to Melbourne with explaining why that's a bad idea. Yep. Not even indulging. Don't give that your time. Um, and Sydney, look, you got ANZ, which if you have it in ANZ, there's two pubs at Homebush. That's it, and one of them sucks, and one of them sucks. The locker rooms, shout good. out the locker bre- room. Yeah, the brewery, the brewery is awful. So unless you're cramming every fan into the Novotel at Olympic Park <laughs> and cramming them into the one pub outside that isn't terrible, again, awful idea. And then there's Allianz, fantastic stadium, could definitely do the job from a stadium point of view. But once again, 
you'd lose the magic of it. And even Allianz, as great as it is, you've got to get the light rail up there. There's only a couple of pubs up there that are like walking, walking, proper walking distance. Like you think about it, like if you are a Sydney sider listening to this and you've never been to Brisbane, you've never been to Caxton Street, basically imagine the entire like Fox Studios entertainment quarter was pubs. Yeah, and imagine if people actually went there. Yeah, yeah. that's that's the situation. So it should never move. Hopefully it never does. Yeah. I don't think it will, but we're getting out in front of these takes this year and we're knocking that's, them on the head. That's right. Well, it sound, we, might sound like a, we, might sound, we, uh, we might sound like a couple of chuggalugs here saying that you just need pubs everywhere to, to really put the magic in Magic Round, but it's more about just having a precinct where everyone Correct. can hang out. Yes. You know what I mean? Like... It's like Magic Round, obviously, we're going to be having a few beers and that, but you can go and not not, not have, have, have a big boozy time. It's just just having a place where everyone can can be together and mm. hang out and you get that really great vibe of everyone coming together to enjoy the footy and all that. I don't think there's another setup in Australian no. sport that can really that Absolutely can really not. provide what and Brisbane yeah, the thing, does. Yeah, if you respect. want to leave and go duck out to one of duck out to a bar or a cafe or a restaurant outside for one of the games because they yeah. are long days. You can well, do that's that. it. Like, I, like, like but, nobody sits down in their seat and watches every minute of all eight and games. Like, and dude, if you do, you should probably be on a list. Imagine, like, like, imagine trying to do that at home, Bush. Like, I'll just we'll just duck out and go to a restaurant or something. You'd, you'd be back. You'd take you an hour and a half. Yeah, exactly. Like, that'd be that'd be your day done. Yeah. You know? so, so no, no to moving magic rounds. We say no. We, that's right. We're standing up for Magic And rooms. Queenslanders love voting no on things, so they'll be with us. <laughs> try! Try! This is a try! Brilliant! Brilliant play! I think it's a try! Oh, I don't know if this is going to be a try! Gee, what about this bloke? All right, if you are a new listener of the show, uh, this is a new segment we brought in this year uh, called What About This Bloke, where we just talk about a rugby league player from the past. Not necessarily the most best-known guy, but a guy that once you hear his name, you go, oh, yeah. Sitting around and naming old footy players is the finest thing a person can do. It's literally my favourite thing to do in the entire world. And this week, we kept it in the family. Declan Pup Campton, my, my younger brother, a treasured listener. His uh, number came up on the random number generator, and he has selected your favourite and mine, Chase Blair. The long-sleeved boy himself. Well, that's the thing. When people hear Chase Blair, their mind immediately goes to the long sleeves, which he wore for a couple of years when he was playing for Melbourne. But the Chase Blair story actually goes far, far further back and is, is a little bit more, a little bit more to it than people might think, right? So Chase Blair is 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 my age. He's about. He yeah. was born in January of. Of ninety two, right? So, and I've I was never much of a footy player growing up. I never played junior reps or ever got close to it or anything like that. But I went to a pretty big league school, and I had a lot of mates that were playing junior rep junior rep footy. And I remember there was a mate of mine, Brendan Colley, who was a, a good a good lock forward from somewhere out in the country. I can't remember where. And he was playing for the Roosters, and he came he came back to school one day, and he said, "Guys, they've got this they've got this fellow, this guy named Chase Blair." And I think he's going to play for Australia one day. And we're kind of like, what are you talking about? Who is like, it, it was rare that someone would come on the scene that nobody had ever heard of before. Mm. And Collie said that the rumor going around the Roosters, and I have no idea if this is true or not, but the rumor going around at the time is that the Roosters were flying Chase Blair down from Queensland three times a week, twice for training and once for games because they believed in his talent so much. Wow. When he got to training for the first time, he was so big because he's a big dude. He's about 6'4", and he's been that big since he's about 15. He was so big that my mate thought he was one of the coaches. <laughs> and then they started doing a drill, and Chase Blair's hands were so fast that he thought he must have been one of the halves. Like, he's one of those guys that's just totally blessed, like the absolute total package. And, you know, he's one of those guys that you hear rumors about, like that the Roosters would fly him down three times a week, or, oh, I heard he's on $100,000 to play SG ball or something like that. None of these rumors are probably true, but it sort of shows the that there was real mystique. crazy mystique about Chase Blair. Yeah, and when you saw him play in these junior rep sides, because I think the year that we were 18, so the year that all my mates were playing SG ball, mainly for Wes, Wes made it to the prelim and got beaten by the Roosters with Chase Blair playing a key role in the Roosters' victory. And I think the Roosters went on to win the entire competition. So what position was he playing at that point? So sort of like fullback centre. Okay. But um, yeah, but definitely looked like a player of note, a player to watch. Then he sort of, he, he didn't never, never quite worked out at the Roosters, went over to Para, still very much on, on, on a pretty good wicket. And had maybe two or three good years at Parramatta. But then, 
A he, coach named Ricky Stewart came to town. He was one of the town. overhead projector boys. That's right. So do you want to tell the overhead projector story for fans who might not remember? Yeah, so Ricky Stewart... In, like, his, in his only year as Parramatta coach... <laughs> basically preached, did this big song and dance about club loyalty and, and sticking together and, 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 you know, coming together to sort of create a stronger future. Then sat down a bunch of players. I think it was 12 in the end. Um with their names up on an overhead projector. Yeah. No, 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 he sat down. It was a te- whole team meeting and then he fired up the overhead projector and it had the 12 names of the guys that were not going to be your, your future here is He not said, certain. you guys yeah, aren't going to make gone. it. So he told, he broke that news to him in front of the whole squad. I can't remember all 12, but Chase, Chase, Blair, Blair, Chase Blair was certainly one of them. And then after that, Chase Blair goes down to Melbourne and transforms, Matthew. Transforms by donning those long sleeves. Oh, excuse me, he went to Manly first. Oh yeah, sorry, he went to Manly. Played a couple of years there. Played in a couple of semi-finals for Manly yeah, as well, yeah. if I remember correctly. But that's very much that's that's the chrysalis, right? He entered the cocoon and he didn't emerge until he went down to Manly and put on those long sleeves. Do you want to tell us why the long sleeves were so enchanting? I can't explain it, but it's just there's something about do because no one wears long sleeves. Yeah. He's the only guy in the competition to do it. Um, I just found an article written by Nick Campton on May 22nd, 2015. Whatever happened to Ricky Stewart's Projector 12? Oh, do you want to read out the Projector yep. 12? Daniel Harrison. A wide running back... Ro- I'm not going to read the whole yeah, thing. Don't read the whole thing. <laughs> Dan- I, don't, I don't remember Daniel Harrison at all. Chase Blair, Matt Keating, Rennie Matua, Matt Eisenhuth, Nathan Smith, Matt Ryan, I remember him, Pat O'Hanlon, Ben Roberts, Willie Tonga, Ben Smith, and Luke Kelly. I never would have guessed that Matt Eisenhuth would be the, the longest survivor yeah. from that list. There you go. Shout out Willie Tonga. Shout out Willie Tonga. Mm. But yeah, so I, what I, the long sleeves were just kind of, kind of so incongruous, you know? Like it's, it was something that hadn't been seen in rugby league for about 20 or 30 years. And I'm pretty sure he had to get those jerseys custom made because it's not like they're cranking out, you know, long, like alternate jerseys that all have no. long sleeves and shit. And Chase Blair actually did really well down at Melbourne. Played in a grand final in that first year. And, and this is something that people forget all the time, there is an alternate future where Chase Blair scores the winning try in the 2016 That's Grand true. Final. Yeah, because if you go back and you look that last des- at that last desperate Melbourne attack... Chambers. Well, no, 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 no. This is, this, is even, uh, this is even after that. Right, yeah. This is like as the siren is about to go. I understand that as a Cronulla fan, you're probably on the edge of your seat yeah, just trying to yeah, cheer the boys, the boys home. home. That's right. But anyway, if you go back and watch it, it's um, Marika Corabetti uh, makes a break down the right-hand side. And gets tackled and sort of throws an offload back, and the storm is spreading it across to the corner, and they're gonna they they get they're gonna get it like they've got the numbers, and it's Cam Smith who throws a pass to Ben Hampton. Ben Hampton's at centre, Chase Blair's on the wing. Smith goes the pass out to Hampton, and it's just a little bit in front of him, and Hampton has to reach out to catch it. If that pass is right on his chest and he can draw the winger, he's got Chase Blair on his outside with no one in front of him. So if that pass from the greatest player of all time, mind you, if that pass was just a little bit crisper, a little bit better. Chase Blair scores in the corner. He is the Darren Albert of our times, and the wow. porch light remains on. Yeah, crazy, right? Um, it it that is crazy. It yeah. won't shock you to learn that I was a long sleeve guy at soccer. Oh yeah, well I thought we'd move past the long sleeve part of the discourse, but this, but then why can't you explain what is appealing about the long sleeves? Just like having long sleeves on. That's it. It's comforting. It's, it's it's not it's not any deeper. I think it's a comfort thing. I really okay. do. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Anyway, so after that, Chase Blair played a couple more years. With the storm, um, and he, but he kind of got superseded in the in the pecking order. You know, their centers. Curtis Scott came on the scene, sort of took his spot in 2017. 2018, it was a little bit the same. Chase Blair was a bit of a a bit part player, but um, his final game for the storm was that really good semi final between the storm and the Rabbitohs down at Olympic Park, not at Olympic Park, down at Amy Park, where Cameron Munster kicked 26? the field goal. Uh, There's only a point in it. Yeah, and um, he scored a double, a late double, if I remember correctly. Yes. One and up. after that, he, he headed over to Castleford, and I think he's still playing somewhere in England at the minute. So, a lot of guys who are sort of junior superstars who don't work it, who don't quite sort of hit the limits of their own potential, flame out of footy pretty early. But Chase Blair's put together a very nice little career with a lot more to it than you might think. Good work, Chase Blair. So, good work, Chase Blair. Good work, Declan Campton. Good work, all of us. Who's next week for remembering this guy? Who's next week's nominee? Wow, very excited about this one. Okay, first name Mister, last name Beefy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. He, he better pick a beefy boy. Yeah, he better. He better. So, Mr. Beefy, your number has been called. Please let us know during the week who you would like us to discuss on the next edition of And What About This Guy. And if you'd like to be in the draw to nominate your own guy, you've got to be a patron. Patreon.com forward slash NRL Boom Rookies. All right. 
Let's get into previewing this weekend's games. No game to recap, of course. No Thursday night game. In the first match around, there was a Thursday game. There was. So, yeah, in the first one, they went for the classic Four one days. Thursday, yeah. two Friday, three I'm glad Saturday, they, two I'm glad Sunday. they pulled back on that. I did too, because even I even I didn't go up on the Thursday night for that, uh, for that first year. It was Sharks-Titans, and as much as I have a soft spot for the Titans, it wasn't enough to drag me up to the Sunshine State a day early. No. The 2-3-3 the three, three split is... Uh, Malta Bene, but, as they uh, say. Yeah, so we will be opening with, uh, dare I say, a weekend-defining fixture for you with the Bulldogs and the Raiders. Definitely a, definitely a tone setter. Mm. Um, so, you know, you guys had a great win at Magic Round last year. And, you know, this your season's, I wouldn't say it's at a crossroads, but, you know, I think that getting a win here will be massive for how, how the rest yeah, of the season plays the, out. The season's not quite at a crossroads, but I, I kind of said last week that the Raiders are entering a three- or four-week period that will define what they're going to do this year, you know? And they sort of, there were some hairy moments, but they got away with the win over the Dolphins. And on Sunday night, in the aftermath of the Bulldogs' win over the Dragons, I was feeling really, really confident about this one because I was thinking, you know what? It's, the Dogs have got to travel. They've got the two away games in a row. Um, they're going to, they were without some of their best guys. They really expended a lot of emotional energy in that match against the Dragons. So I was kind of thinking, okay, they're sort of like they're there to be, to be taken and to be beaten and be and be beaten pretty well. With the team they've named on on Tuesday, I'm not as confident as I was. Um, Jacob Kiraz, uh, Max King, and Franklin Pele have all been included. I think Kiraz is in a pretty serious bit of doubt, but even then, the addition of Max King and Pele sort of really solidifies that middle a little bit. And I think that was going to be Canberra's plan to sort of come up the middle and, and, and just sort of smash the, smash the Bulldogs up the guts as, as, as best they could because that is an area that the Bulldogs have shown themselves to be a little bit vulnerable, you know. But even accounting for those guys coming in, I want to, I want Canberra to, I want to see Canberra win this really, really well. I want them to be, I want them to, to really kind of not make a statement but some of the some of the good patches that they've had over the last few weeks, I want them to try and stretch that into something closer to an eighty minute performance. You know what I mean? I want them to have a bit of that eye of the tiger. I want them to be sitting in a dark room all week listening to Wu Tang music. You know what I mean? Like I want them to be fired up and to come out there and put some points on because the last three games, even though they've won them, they've sort of faded late. Um, in in all th- in three of their four wins this year, the win against the Sharks, the win against the Dragons, the win against the Dolphins, they kind of had the other team beat with about twenty five to go, but instead of piling on points late, mm. they sort of faded a little bit and had to hang on. I don't want one of those. I want to I want to see him really kind of hit hit some high highs here, which is why. Here's Taylor rolling the ball in. Don't in. He's after it. He might have got it down. He thinks he did. Oh, cold train cup. I'm coal training them. My coal train campaign's in in tatters a little bit. Um, I tipped the Panthers last week and they let me down. Mm. But I'm I'm hoping that some of the the passages of play that we've seen from Canberra over the last month gets extended and 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 they really sort of show some of that good attacking football that I know is in there. I think there's a good side somewhere in Canberra, and I think this is one of the games where they can hopefully let a little bit of it out. Yeah, uh, uh, Max, both Max King and Jacob Kras being named is mildly surprising. I think that they're both. I mean, if the dogs are gonna have any chance, they need basically every hand that they can get That's on the right, deck right yeah. now. So good for them, I guess. Um, dogs team looking a little bit better than I thought it was going to be now that I've got it up on uh, up in front of me. But yeah, I'm I'm with you. Canberra should win this one. Yeah, the the, the only the only thing that kind would kind of worry me is the possibility of um, Matt Burton really attacking that gap between Jamal Fogarty and Elliot Whitehead. You know, that was something that really opened up for the Dolphins late in the game last week. And if I was Canterbury, that would be the thing that I would be targeting because I think Whitehead is still very capable over about 50 or 60 minutes, but 80 minutes he sort of mm. starts to fatigue a little bit. So I think that's the sort of area that the dogs would look to exploit. But um, yeah, Canberra pretty always pretty good and Magic Round have only lost once back in the first year to um to the and that was to the Roosters when the Raiders had a pretty depleted team themselves. So and last year's Magic Round the win over Cronulla was sort of the 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 game that, that changed the season. Sparked the season. In yeah, it was it was the, it, that was the point that the season the season really changed. So I'm hoping they get a little bit of magic in them and put a bit of a score on Canterbury. All right. Uh, the main game on the Friday night, the traditional Manly Brisbane clash, uh, an away game for Brisbane. You got to love that. Um, their, their their fantastic draw continues. Um, Tontovovic playing again, like no doubts over him, but Brisbane still very short favourites with Payne Haas returning, Ezra Mam returning. 
um, looking pretty solid. Yeah, I think so. Like Manly, to me, are kind of – they're on the edge a little bit, you know, and a couple of good shoves could really push them over. And I think this will be a Brisbane team that will have a bit of a point to prove after after what happened to them last week. Haas back, that's huge. Man back, that's huge. Um, I, I remember last year when the Broncos played played Manly on the Friday night and the crowd was – absolutely right it's like it like it felt like a it felt like a finals game just because of how into it the crowd was that's it and the broncos really took that energy they did and ran with it and i'm expecting something similar to that again you know they'll th- want to bounce back massively after last absolutely week. no jake jabojevic in the middle of the field as well which means that i think brisbane will pretty much be able to do whatever they want in there and when they're able to do that and they're able to set up all the attacking class they've got out wide i think this one's pretty straightforward for brisbane yeah, and they'll get a fresh Payne Haas back as well, which I would be terrified of if I'm a Manly fan. And as you said, no Jake Turbo. People make their jokes about him, but he makes their middle stouter and more solid. And yeah, I, I think that Brisbane Sports could get a lot of joy in this game and their their backs playing off the back of that should feast. I think they could have got a lot of more points than they did last week. Well, their execution was just and a their execution poor last week. They wasn't just, there. Yeah, missed but a spot or they'll be, a spot they'll or be pissed off after that game and they'll have a point to prove. I think that they'll shoot. Win this one pretty comfortably. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I reckon. I reckon they'll get it done in pretty, in pretty good fashion. I'm interested to see what we get from Trom Trebojevic in this game because, like, you could see how much Manly missed him last week. Not even just as an attacking threat, but almost as an attacking presence. And they, they need him to sort of supercharge stuff. But I don't know if he's got the confidence in his own body at the minute to, to supercharge things. I think ever, like, I think Manly and and Tom are still being extremely careful about his return to play, even though that we are nearly halfway through the season now. So I'm really, really interested to see what sort of performance we get out of him. Are we going to get the sort of thing where he runs the ball 22 times for 250 metres and he's just sort of always in the play and always trying to drive Manly through the middle of the field? Or are we going to get something where he kind of has to pick his spots a little bit more because he is carrying another injury? I don't know. I'm quite intrigued, but I'm, I'm pretty certain that Adam Reynolds will give him a real test with his kicking game. Um, I felt like in the first maybe thirty minutes last week, Reynolds was having one brilliant. of his he's yeah. having one of his best games in a really long time. But then I think it was clear that the the match kind of got to him a little bit and it got away from him a little bit. So I think I'll be looking for a really tight, composed, controlled performance. Did, from didn't him. have the cool head of a Latrell Mitchell or a Cody Walker. In that I thought I, well, I thought you were going to say Lachlan Ilias. Well, no, I mean because it's funny because I named two noted hotheads. Okay, do you understand how jokes work? No, I always love it when you explain them to me. Yeah, well, you know it's as laborious as Manly's fans will be watching this game. so Warriors, Panthers. Panthers haven't lost three in a row since forever, I'm pretty mm. sure. So. They haven't lost three in a row since um, 1902. Oh. Yeah. Six years before the foundation of the, the, of the New South Wales Rugby League. Yeah, I know. That's what, that's what makes it so impressive. Yeah. What were they doing between 02 and 08? I don't know. Just carrying on. And then between 08 and 67 when the Penrith Panthers were founded. This is getting away from me, this it one. Yep. Yeah. 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 Just asking questions, mate. It's called <laughs> journalism. Martin Journalism Gabor would be proud. Um, yeah, look, Warriors, long odds to win this one. Again, That last week I think was their flattest performance of the year by some distance. Um, and, and it's different. Like, I know that the first two losses are already in the bag, but they get James Fisher-Harris back for this one. And that is just such a gigantic in. I mean, he is, pain hearts aside, probably the best prop in the game right now. And that is just a huge in for them. And with two losses back-to-back... I, there's no way they lose three in a row, is there? Well, we would have said that last week. There's no way they lose two in a row. And I'm glad that you mentioned last week's probably their flattest performance of the season because mm. I do think that that's, that's something that's not become a problem, but I think it's it's a, it's an issue that they might have to grapple with through a lot of this season, just sort of being flat and not having that eye of the tiger and that intensity that they've shown over the past three seasons, you know, um, that 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 that'll like Fisher Harris back will help that he'll help give them some of that muscle and some of that um, aggression in the middle of the field and the rest of the team will really feeds off of that. But if I'm a Penrith fan, I really want a return to form in this one, and that's not necessarily dazzling attacking football because I think that the era of Penrith being a dazzling attacking team has probably passed a little bit because they are they just haven't been able to replace some of the blockbusting playmaking elements in the side like Abi Corusau or, or Viliami Kikau. But I do want to see I want to see some of the fire. You know, I want to see him knock the Warriors around. I want Jerome Luai to be screaming in people's faces and daring him to do something about it. And I want him to find that energy because that was always their superpower. And I feel like we've only seen that in maybe one game this year. 
the the win over Manly where they just totally mm. like emasculated the Seagulls and, and just like absolutely ran them around the park and did whatever they they wanted to do. But I feel like that's the only time this year where Penrith have really touched that sort of football. You know, even in the win over South Sydney, I felt like they were more uh, solid than spectacular. And I, I, if if I'm a Panthers fan, I want to see that return to form. I want to see some of the greatest hits. You know, and I, I'm probably tipping in them in this one, but I'm not riding off the Warriors' chances either, especially if Tohu Harris no. is there, because I I'm think he's under a bit of a fitness cloud. If he does play, I think I give the Warriors every chance because I think they're going to be able to stand up to Penrith in the middle with the Harris way and forwards are playing at the moment. The way. If yeah. he's there, like well, Fanua Blake's having an yeah. outstanding season. He he's is. playing really great footy. Um, and then all of a sudden, if it's two tough, committed, aggressive sides, it comes down to who can create more points and even though Penrith have got a lot more of their guys there judging on what the on the attack they've been able to generate over the last couple of weeks you might say the Warriors have a slight advantage there which is a funny thing to say about a team that was kept scoreless last week but I just feel like like Sean Johnson is 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 creating is creating chances more regularly than Mm. Cleary and 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 Luai and and I feel like with Tyron P they can target that that gap on that edge yeah well. well I imagine that's something that I'll be looking at pretty Pretty closely, like the right edge is, is Johnson's favourite side. It's where he's got, um, I think it's Murata Niakore yep. on that yeah, side. Yeah, yeah. So he's a really strong runner. You know, the, the 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 rise of the Warriors outside backs continues. So I'm I'm taking Penrith in this one, but I'm not riding oh, off the Warriors. I was smelling either. a Nicky Zags there. Well, mate, I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it. Haven't had a Magic Round Zag yet. We haven't had one. No, but, no. Uh, I've I've got a couple. I've got a couple up there. But I'll t- I tell you, mate. Like if it gets to midday. On Saturday, and I'm all hepped up on lion reds that some aspiring, some industrious Kiwi smuggled over across the ditch, and I'm you know ripping out Kyoto Farnells and all that sort of thing. Mm. You, I'll, I'll talk myself into it. I'll talk myself into the wires. I'll find you some. Sort it of never kiwi. takes that much, really. It doesn't. I'll find you with some sort of Kiwi beer at the meetup, and you'll be all in. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. All right, five thirty on the Saturday. Cronulla Sharks against the Redcliffe Dolphins. Uh, again, the Sharks very short favourites. Um, which I'm kind of surprised by. They're like a dollar thirty. I think that's a bit too short, given people are very, very high on the Sharks right now. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Not like I, I think they're great at the moment, but I just think the Dolphins have shown us too much, especially in Queensland so far this year, to be sort of cast aside as three dollar fifty outsiders. Yeah, I, I, I do like the Sharks in this one. I do agree that the the Dolphins are probably a little. It's probably a little bit far back for them. Um, I, I it's funny. I, I. It's rare that you think you see the same game from a team three times in a row, but I do think we'll see the same thing. I think we'll see the Sharks come out and put on a lot of points early, and then it's a question of whether the Dolphins will be able to to claw their way back the way they successfully did against the Titans and the way they unsuccessfully did against the Raiders. Um, I think the biggest thing with the Dolphins, the biggest thing that we can take away from their first nine matches is that if you give them a chance, they will claw their way back. You know, they they're, they're not they're not dead until until you cut their heads off. Mm. So I think. I think the Sharks will be looking to sort of come out, throw some really big punches early, and and then just sort of ride out the the rest of the match, which they're fully capable of doing, just because their attack's so good and they have so much sophistication in the way that they can play both sides of the field so strongly. Um, but the, the the really the real big inclusion that I'm excited about here is in the centres for the Finns, a a strapping a strapping young man named Valance Tavare. Um, will be debuting. Who in the preseason was called Val Meninga and he said he didn't know who Mal Meninga was, which was fantastic. Yeah, so Valence Tavare um, was a rugby union player in New Zealand, came over, was one of the Dolphins' very first signings and uh, came over to Queensland last year. First year playing rugby league, was in the centres for Redcliffe in the Queensland Cup, made the team of the year and um, I can't stress to you how large this bloke is. He's not big. He's not big. He's large. He's round. He's round, yeah, mm. man. He's a, he's a wrecking ball. He's like a front rower that sort of... Is he on Talakai's side of the field? Um, I think Val plays mainly left centre and so does Talakai. Ah, yeah. So don't get him head to head. Imagine. But he is coming in for Branko Lee who plays right side. So... You know like at the bowling alley where like the ball comes up the shoot thing and the two balls knock into each other? Yeah. That, we could get that. Oh, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a real, a, real, a real big boy, real big boy battle. But yeah, Valence Tavare... Um, I think this there's a chance that he doesn't drop out of first grade, that he sort of stays there for a good while yet. Like like we've stressed his size, but hype. he's got a, he's got a, absolutely some hype. Got a good good turn of pace for a big fella, light on his feet. I actually like his inclusion because I think the Dolphins do need some players who are a little bit more uh, blockbusting, guys who can sort of create something from nothing a little bit. So I'm really really keen to to see how he goes. Um, I'm taking the Sharks in this one, but. 
you can't ever write off the Dolphins, can you? Here's Taylor rolling the ball in on him. He's after it. He might have got it down. He thinks he did. Oh! Cold train carp. I think you can. <laughs> um, despite everything I said, it would be very off-brand for me not to pick one of my teams at Magic Round. I wouldn't have minded picking the Raiders, but I picked against the Bulldogs last week. I'm not to be sales against Melbourne. So that only left Cronulla um, locking them in. Um, yeah, they, they should win this game. I know I, I, I know I said at the start of this preview that the Dolphins are too long odds, and I do stand by that, but at the same time, I still think that the Sharks have enough class about them to get it done. It, they've just been racking up score after score on teams right now, and the Dolphins, as good as they've been in, in patches, have conceded a boatload of points in their last few games. I think this is a game that could end up something like 44 to 20 or something like that. Ooh, I would like that. Yeah, I would like something that. like that. A lazy so, old shootout. That yeah. would be nice. And it'll give the punters just a nice little relaxing, fun game before the biggest game of the round coming up at 7.45 between the Melbourne Storm and the somehow favourite South Sydney Rabbitohs. You can't, You said, before we started recording, we were just sort of sitting around setting stuff up and mm. you just said to no one in particular, God, South are just so good. That didn't happen. You, you didn't even say it. You didn't say it to me. You just said it. So if you're just running around making statements like that, you then can't come on mic and say, oh God, how are South's favourites? How, how, could, how could the grand old club, the little club that could, possibly be favourites against club. big bad Melbourne? Yes. Oh, okay. I'm just subconsciously... Yeah, so you didn't even realise that you said it. <laughs> oh, right. well, no, Wandering play. around muttering things, that's 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 my deal. Yeah, sorry. Don't take it off me, man. I apologise. Uh, but yeah, like, we've never won in Melbourne, so like, how are we favourites here? Well, it, is this the time to break it to you that Brisbane is not Melbourne? What? It says away on my phone <laughs> on the League Live app, Nick. It says away and that Melbourne is the home team. So that's how I'm treating it. But in all seriousness... I mean, Melbourne's record over... I understand form and all that stuff, but you've got to factor in just how historically shit we are. It's like seven from 38 or something like that. When was the last time you beat them? I can't remember. Uh, No, last year. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, It was the game game where they... uh, Luttrell got addicted to kicking for AJ. Oh, yeah. Because they nearly scored the best try ever and it landed on the dead ball line. And he's just kept doing it like every game since. But... um, yeah, but before that, it had been a couple of years. And before that, I mean, there's only been seven, I think, total in my lifetime. So, but uh, yeah, the favorites here. I, th- I I guess, I mean, if you factor, take out all the historical stuff, I guess they kind of have to be, right? Because, I mean, they are on the biggest winning streak of any team right now. They are relatively fit. They lost Davey Moale. He's getting a small knee procedure, but they've got Liam Knight straight back in the team after a little hit out in New South Wales Cup against your Raiders last weekend. And yeah, Keon Kalomotangi aside, they're very close to full fitness now. So, um, look, I know that they've I know that they've shaken off all the demons in the last fortnight, but you know this is this is another level. This isn't a demon. This is a demigod that they've got to go up against here. And you know, if they win this game, then that is as big as big a win as they can have in the regular season, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. Um, I feel like Melbourne in their last game on Anzac Day, for the first, they, it's almost like they discovered their ceiling as that game went on. Like the Warriors came out and were leading early and looking really, really good. And for the Storm to claw their way back into it, they did what they've been able to do really well over the last couple of years and just sort of get all their best players in the best positions to succeed. You know, like, for example, Cameron Munster was was really good. I thought he had his best game of the season. Um, Harry Grant continued his excellent form. Nelson Asofa-Solomona, in his first game back from injury, found a really great mix of impact and work rate that I think radically transforms what this entire Storm team is capable of if he's able to replicate that week to week. He's sort of the supercharge that takes this forward pack from honest, honest, grinding tough forward pack to oh wow this is a pack that can match it with anyone in the competition so I'm kind of looking at that game as kind of a point of divergence for Melbourne season that could be a game where everything sort of starts to change for them but for that to happen they would need to handle Souths in this one and I think I think they can I think they can I think Mm. as long as they keep playing to their strengths and as long as their strengths keep being so strong if you take my meaning I think they'll be able to to put it on South, not 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 by a score or anything like that. I'm expecting this one to go right down to the wire. Um, maybe a bit of GP. I don't think we've ever had GP at Magic Round. Not sure, but a bit of GP at MR that'd be good stuff. 
I would not enjoy that. No, you so. wouldn't, but I would. Yeah, I would. That's true. You know, but you would, you'll watch the Sharks win before this, so it'll, it'll put you in a, Even it out. in a nice, relaxed place. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. Asafa Solomon is a gigantic in for them. Uh, it, it just transforms their entire forward pack, really. Um, it just gives it a new dimension. Well, Eli Katara as well was under a concussion cloud, but he's got he, he's he's sweet to play as well. So their pack's looking very good in this game. Their back line's looking pretty slick. Um, yeah, it's it's tough to go past Melbourne here. But South have never lost at Magic Round, which is weird. So. Well, one thing I do really like in South's favour is that they've got Jai Arrow and Tom Burgess on the bench. Mm-hmm. So I would assume if Jason Mitri plays his bench well, which he invariably does, he's quite good at it. He's quite adaptable with it as well, which I really like. I think a lot of coaches get too, too stuck in in just having the same changes every week. But Dimitri's got an ability to change on the fly, which I think is a real asset for Souths. And if you look at that Storm bench, it's Garlic, Aaron Penne, Tom Eisenhuth and Tarek Sims. Not a lot of firepower. Well, that's it. So I would I would think that Souths can really target kind of that middle period of the game when, when the Storm don't have a Sofa Solomona and Welch on the field and I think they'll really look at that as the time that they can they can make a little bit of hay. So it wouldn't surprise me if a big storm start and then Souths get back into it and then how both teams sort of adapt to that change in momentum could very well decide the match. But uh, yeah, to me, if I was a Souths fan, I would be sort of looking at that 25 minute to about the 55th, 60th minute as the time to uh, make a bit of money. Yeah, I, I think that there's... I mean, they've just been so good in this past month that you can't just write them off, even though it is Melbourne. But I think it is... It's it's difficult to ever pick South against the Storm. It is. Um, but well, you do, can't do it. Well, no, I'm going to do Nobody it. Nobody can. Of oh, course, yeah, yeah, of course <laughs> I'm going to do it. What are you talking about? If you don't tip your team at Magic Round. Yeah, you're, of course. Yeah. Um, no, of course I'm tipping South. But um, yeah, you're right, mate. And I think that that is probably where the game will be run. Like, South's middle rotation is so deep right now that... Like you, like because Totola and Sele are no no slouches themselves. Well, Sele's playing. He's playing great. great. He's playing Totola, great. We know how good Totola's yeah. been for quite a while now. So, if those who can hold their own in those opening exchanges, the opening stanza, as some would say, <laughs> what the fuck is this? People always write stanza. Like anyway, stanza is a, a musical term. I know what it is. It was rhetorical. Um, uh, and then if Aaron Burgess come on and cause a madness and Liam Knight doesn't drop the ball or do something stupid, he might. Oh, had well, 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 now that Tom Burgess is extremely consistent and doesn't do a lot of bad Burgess things anymore, then we need Liam, Liam, Knight, Liam Knight Burgess yeah. to step up to the plate. It is great to see him back in first grade, though. Yeah. Um, I've, he uh, was very, very open and very honest about some of the struggles that he's had over the last sort of year. Um, I think there's a really good yarn in the Telegraph about a month ago or something like that. Um, I encourage you guys to go all read it. Just to read up on Liam Knight's story and what he's been through and all that, the fact that he's coming back into first grade is a real, uh, a real good thing, a real pat on the back for him and for South Sydney. So these, I hope he goes all right. And these teams played each other like a month ago, by the way. And the again, NRL draw this year is yeah. totally fucked. That was a very tight game as well. If you remember, they scored that sick try with that. The Storm scored that sick long range try just early on in the second half um, with uh, Munster backing up. Well, that, that was, was the, the that difference. was the game where Latrell Mitchell sort of looked a bit that was, sluggish. That was the game where he got booed, and yeah. after that uh, is when everything changed. So, yeah, hopefully, would you say he has a, a point to prove? I would, I would say you that. would say that. Yeah, I would. Um, but yeah, that that game was very cagey, and look, I was very annoyed after the game because Xavier Coates played his best first grade game since he's gone to Melbourne. So if he if he's off his game as well, and they can get some joy and force a couple of repeat sets, I think they've got enough firepower to overwhelm Melbourne down the stretch. But uh, yeah, it'd be a great game, I think. I think Nine's televising this one as well. So Yeah, they always televise the Saturday night game. At, at Magic Yep. Oh, do they? Yep. There you go. Well, we're always there, so. That's right. Um, yeah, should be a cracker. Uh, Sunday. Another game which I'm kind of excited about because the West Tigers are a coin flip against the St. George Illawarra Dragons. Well, I know that you don't believe in, in momentum or anything like that. But if there was a chance for the Tigers to sort of generate a bit of momentum in their own season and maybe go on a little bit of a run and sort of erase some of the really bad memories that they've put together over the first eight weeks of the season. This kind of is the game to do it because I think even if they'd lost to Penrith, this is a game that they would have circled on the calendar as being eminently winnable. And now that they have won that game and they have got a little bit of confidence in what they're doing and it's clear that they're playing with a lot of spirit and all of that, I think they'll go into this one really, really fancying their chances. I thought, you know, we talked a lot about the win um, last week over Penrith. 
just to sort of break it down a little bit more, I thought there were some really good individual signs. It was David Clemmer's best game for the club. It was Isaiah Papaliti's best game for the club. thought it was John Bateman's best game for the club, perhaps not numbers-wise, but he sort of showed that uncanny ability to have a couple of big plays here and there, which I think is one and of his And stay down for assets. 30 seconds on that last set of six and milk the clock. Well, mate, no one else was doing it. Yeah, was, someone, had to, they, someone had to milk was, that clock. Yeah. So, yeah, like while the we spoke a little bit about the conditions in Bathurst and how that kind of really simplified things for for Luke Brooks and Brandon Wakeham and all of that, I'm probably looking for a little bit more spark in attack from those two in Did this you game. Luke I think they're back, by the way. Well, so for some of us, Luke Brooks never left. That, not me though. Like no. <laughs> but yeah, I, I would hope that they can take. I would hope that Brooks and Wakeham and, and the rest of the club's playmakers can take the confidence that they got, got from last week's win and sort of apply it to their to the whole of their game in this one. Um, you look, and you look at Saints. On paper, I think Saints have probably got a better roster, but they're kind of they're they're all over the shop at the minute. Zach Lomax dropped. Ben Hunt named it halfback, but there's a lot of talk that he's going to play hooker. This kind of feels like one last roll of the dice. He's lost the plot for Anthony Griffin. He's absolutely lost the plot. Well, Jacob Little's had a good season. He's, he's had been, a really good season. He's been real look, fine for I him. I understand Lomax hasn't hit the heights that they'd expected of him, but like he's still a first grader. Like I, I don't know what he's. And if Ben Hunt plays hooker, that's just. That's the that's the cherry well, on top of this hook sandwich. Anthony Griffin in the past has, whenever his team sort of hits a slump, he, he changes up the side. That's that's kind of like what the he mad does. hatter he, yelling change. He, he, he shuffles the deck a little bit. And mm. he, he already did that a few weeks ago when he like moved Jack Bird from lock to second row and all of that. I like Jack Bird going back to lock this week, but to to me, we're getting to the point now where after every Dragons loss, there's going to be questions about whether this is, this is this the week is, that this they pull the This is shuffling deck chairs on the Titanic to me. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I don't, I don't like the changes. Like Ben Hunt's not been playing great footy these last no. couple of weeks, but halfback's still his best spot. I think that's still the best spot for the team, especially given, like you said, that Little has been a real find for them this year, and he has really benefited from the change of scenery. I think him dropping out of the seventeen completely is a bit of a difficult one to understand. Um, but yeah, I think, I think Saints, while they do have talent on the side, I think they're a team that's really suffering from a lack of attention to detail. And I think the Tigers' confidence that they would have got from last week will be enough for them to get the win in this one. So I am predicting a Tigers winning streak. I am too. And you know what? I think a lot of people are going to Coltrane them this week. A lot I, of people. I, I didn't go that far. I, I, because I've now lost three games in the Coltrane, I'm kind of just be, going to be looking for fun stuff every week. Mm. Um, and I considered the Tigers, but also it's Magic Round and you've got to back your boys Look, in every I, fashion possible. Um, yeah, and there's, and there's a world if the Tigers win this game where they're not last. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, there's they could even be 15th. Wow, what a dream. The dizzying heights. They'd have to win by like 30 points to overtake the Dragons, but if they win by any margin and the Cowboys lose, then they're not lost. Damn. And in this case, I'm okay with buy points existing. <laughs> Just for this one scenario. But uh, yeah, isn't that insane? Given, I mean, I, I always thought it was a bit silly people saying they weren't going to win a game. Like, come on. Yeah. They were always going to win a game at some point, and they'll win a couple more, I think. But anyway. Uh, speaking of those Cowboys, uh, they're playing the Roosters again, and, and and just another another very sort of large gap in odds between the two teams. So, I mean, if if this goes the way of the bookies, it's going to be about two good games this weekend. So I'm, I'm really hoping that they're not. It's not, right. very, it's not very magic. Not at all. It's not very magic at all. It's not. I mean, I guess in paper, if you look at this game in the preseason, you would have thought it would be a maybe a clash between two of the competition heavyweights, a couple of teams that. In the Roosters had sort of underachieved last year, and the Cowboys, who we thought would go on, well, not you, because you picked them to miss the eight, but uh, who a lot of people thought would just go on to be one of the competition powerhouses this year, and it just hasn't happened. And as I just said, they could be last as of uh, 6 p.m. on Sunday. Yeah, well, I feel like their season hit, really hit rock bottom in that loss to the Sharks. That was a loss that was somewhat Atrocious. humiliating for them. Um, so if there is the time for things to turn, it, it, kind of has to happen right now because they can't sink any lower than that and still have any hopes of doing anything serious in this competition this year but when you I think when you look at where they've really struggled this year which has mainly been up the middle of the field I think the Roosters will kind of be able to to dominate them in that area like Lindsay Collins has had a really great season Maria Hargraves didn't play last week but he's back this week Satili Tupanua is a player that a lot of Roosters fans have been very uh, critical he's a new of Jake friend they hate him been very critical of for the last couple of years but I felt like his, he was against the Warriors he played one of his best games in first grade and while there might be concerns about how he defends out on an edge just carrying the ball through the middle of the field and pumping with his knees and elbows and sort of running to hurt people 
which I really, really like from a forward. He's very, very capable of doing that. And I think he has given them a sort of a bit more leg speed through the middle of the field off the bench, which is something they've been looking for a little bit. They've tried a lot of guys. They tried Fletcher Baker. They tried Terrell May. Nobody really fit the bill. But I think Tupanua could really slot into that role with a lot of success mm. um, over the rest of the season. And I think the Roost, while the Roosters only scored the two tries against the Warriors last week, I, I, I felt like that was a performance that could could really mark the start of something for them because it was a, a short turnaround, a five-day turnaround, into an away trip to New Zealand, into atrocious conditions against a tough a tough side, and the Roosters were able to win it because they were they were tougher and because they were a little bit smarter and they played to the conditions a little bit better. So maybe this is maybe now before our eyes we're seeing the Roosters transform into the team that a lot of us predicted they could be in the preseason. I think that's a that's something that we're going to see a little bit more of this weekend. I'm seeing them, I'm seeing them beating the cows. I'm seeing them doing it in pretty good fashion as well. Yeah. You know? I mean, look, no Nanai, no Tamalolo. This is just not a team that's filling me with any sort of confidence right now. They're in big, big trouble. I think it's yep. another L here. Another yeah, big too. L too. Well, that's the thing. I, I'm, I'm just not sure where they can attack the Roosters. I'm not sure the area where, where, where I feel like they have the, uh, the ascendancy. I think outside of Scott Drinkwater just totally balling out and creating three tries on his own, which has been their best bet to score points all season. I just don't know where they'll feel like they'll be able to get it over the Roosters, you know? So the games aren't played on paper, but it, it's just difficult for me to see a spot where the Cows can really strike. And maybe it's Val Holmes. Maybe it's Val Holmes bursting through on the edges because the Roosters are a little bit depleted out there with Manu playing 5'8 and Paul Momorowski getting injured. They've dragged up, I think they've got Drew Hutchinson out in the centres. So that's one matchup that I think the Cows will feel good about, but that's probably all I'm, that's all I'm looking at that would fill me with confidence, that one. Roosters wing tandem, Allen and Paulo. Well, Corey Allen at Suncorp. Mate. Forget about it. It's over. Yeah. Hat trick incoming. Streets is done. Yeah, it's a couple of my boys that out there doing their best. You love to see it. Not in the right colours, but that's okay. Is Jackson Paulo your boy? Kind of. He did the moonwalk in that try that time. Yeah, he did. And I, I, I wish him the best. And uh, he, he sent me that voice message the other week. Oh, yeah. It's very nice <laughs> my, of him. My best friend. Welcome to Jacksonville. Absolutely. Uh, and the night cap, or the God, how is this shit still going cap, <laughs> as we might be calling it by 6.30pm on Sunday. Thank fuck it's the Titans. They'll perk us up. <laughs> well, They'll perk us right up, baby. Well, they're playing the Eels. Okay, so the last game on Magic Round is always a bit of a strange it was one. Cowboys Tigers last year, and it was shit. But you can did well, we stay no, to was, the end of was, that? There was some great footy in that did we Tigers stay to the Cowboys end of that? one. Oh wait, that was the Talungi assist. Yeah, it had the yeah. Talungi assist. Yeah, yeah, Ruben, yeah, yeah. Ruben Cotter ran sixty meters okay, to score yeah. a try. There was sick. T- there, there was, was some, some great stuff. footy, yeah, yeah, but right. like it's a big three days. There will be a pall over the stadium. Everyone will be sitting there hungover thinking, why the fuck did I book my flight back for 7.30 a.m.? That was a terrible decision. So this will be a strange one. We're off the edge of the map here. And once you're off the edge of the map, That's where the Titans want there you. is only one team I trust. <laughs> when you don't know what the fuck's going on, I want the team that doesn't know what the fuck they're doing. When you've jumped into the Springfield mystery spot, there's only one. Oh, this the is... guiding hand of Tino Fasumawali is the only way you're getting out of there. That's right. That's right. We are we are in the kingdom of madness. This might be at Suncorp Stadium. This is a Titans home game. We are beyond the realms of good and evil and up and down, bro. We are living in six different dimensions here. So in those weird situations, you got to go with the people that know or that, that understand what, what, what it's like to live like that, to live on the edge and not even know where the edge is. They were forged by chaos. That's right, molded man. with it. I'm telling, I'm telling, I'm telling. This, this is them. This is them consolidated into a single time slot. Have we had a double zag this year? What's a double zag? We well, both, both zag. Well, surely, what a double zag would be when we zag in different directions. Well, okay, well, is it a tandem zag. Tandem zag. All right, I think we're tandem zagging. Oh, we're this. tandem zagging on this one. They're Three dollars. We're tandem zagging this we're one. We're putting right. our life set. We're putting all the Patreon money on that. Every cent. All up of your, it. up your pledges because you know where they're going. Yeah. Well, no, like I, we say every week, you don't know what to expect from the Titans. They're a bunch of fucking lunatics, and they are. But I feel like that's the sort of play that is very dangerous for Parramatta. Parramatta have shown a, a, a willingness this year to very much play to the to the level and the style mm. of their opposition. That Knights game aside last week, when the opposition plays, t- plays like tough and tight, Parramatta do as well. When the opposition's flinging it around and going crazy with it, Parramatta kind of do that as well. You know, they're, they're, they're a little bit of a mirror, and it... And I, I think if the Titans come out here and play, and play with some of the attacking verve that they've shown over the, these last couple of weeks, I think they'll fancy their chances against the Eels. You know, AJ Brimson is definitely a big out, but Jaden Campbell's a very, very quality replacement as far as fullbacks go. 
and yeah, I, I think the Titans will will have a look at some matchups on this, and I think they'll really like what they can do. I think they'll like what they like what will be possible if they direct a lot of their big forwards at Josh Hodgson early in the match. I think they'll see um, Sean Russell and uh, Hayes Dunster out there and think, well, our back five is pretty explosive, and we're going to be able to get it over the top of those blokes, you know, and. I think Philip, the power Sammy, is going to have his. Well. He, he's he going to have his eye. He's going to have his eye on Clint Gutherson because if you remember last year, did the Gutherino on? He him. jumped over him, took a catch, scored a try, and hit the Gutherino on him. And Clint hasn't done the Gutherino since. So maybe there is only one. Is true, that true? It's true. It's true. I'm, okay. t- I'm telling you. So maybe there is only one true king, and maybe it's Phil Sammy. Pa- I was it. Para have like the most guys who people hate. I think so. The parochial Queensland crowd is going to be heckling the shit out of. The likes of Moses, Gutherson, Hodgson, a couple of other guys as well. So people hate Hodgson. I don't know. I just threw him in there to annoy you. Okay, but like the main two, they don't like it up them, <laughs> and they're gonna be they're gonna be heckled. Yeah. So I I just I don't lot. know. I just I feel like this match has a lot of factors that sort of bend to the Titans' favor. You know, and Paris made a, a a couple of small changes. I think um, I think Ryan Madison. Is dropping back to the bench. Do I remember sure that? Is. Do I remember that yep, correctly? Yep, yep. So that indicates to me that he's going back into the middle rotation, which I think is a good Davey move. Davy and Lane for them. on the edges, Hopgood starting. That Andrew Davy signed with the club a week ago, already starting. It's the Andrew Davy effect, baby. <laughs> the Davey there was one effect. thing that was going to make me tip the heels in this game. It's, <laughs> it's the Davy inclusion. The Davy inclusion. Yeah. The Davy paradox. Yeah, that's right. Oh, my bad, my bad. Sean Russell's out. Bailey Simonson's in, but I still feel like that's something that that the Titans will feel like they can go after a They'll little find bit. Some joy. I mean, look, Parramatta have been shuffling those outside backs around all year, desperately trying to get some sort of cohesion. So I don't think it makes much difference to what you were saying. And yeah, I, I think this is going to be a high-scoring, wild affair. Like that, like they go, the Eels ended up winning like 38-30 or something like that. I can't remember the exact scoreline. Of uh, the game last the year. Sammy Gutherino. Well, yeah, the Titans were up like 20-0 yeah. and then got run down. Like that was Something the, like that. Yeah, it was quite so early in the season, right? It was round one. Yeah, it was oh, round that one. is early. So yeah, I think um, thirty-two twenty-eight. It was yeah. There this is just a matchup I I like for the Titans. Yeah, I like it too. Simi Renrandra trying the chip and chase. Oh no, it's Simi Redradra. Redradra's away. Simi Redradra. Oh, this will be interesting. Oh, yes, it will. Yes, Simi Renrandra. Oh, he's absolutely buried it. Okay, so they don't do the city country origin game anymore for well, open men's. If I, if I was going to say, nice little caveat there. Don't don't cut me off and try to make me look like I'm being ageist or sexist <laughs> or both. But there is just still junior city country and women's city country. But the, the the men's open city country game, a relic of the past, Nick, a game that you and I both loved. Gone. Loved it very much. Um, you guys have t- heard me talk about City Country on this show for a very, very long time now. It's a game that I think was really important and a game that Rugby League is poorer for losing. It still does exist, in, uh, albeit in a different form. Uh, for every, every year, for the last, I think, three years, the weekend of Magic Round, they play City Country games for open women's, um, men's under, uh, under 18s and under 16s, women's under 18s and under 16s, wheelchair, disability, and then opens men's. With opens men's, they sort of take A-grade players from the city and match them up against the best players from country areas. That'll be on all weekend, all out at Cogra Oval. It starts tonight with the women's game, which will be on, will be on KO if you want to get a bit of a footy fix in. But a tradition that I have around this time of year is I name the, the city first and the country first. Mm. For their uh, their annual clash, which still happens in my heart and in my mind, so now we will do we will do so. The selectors have convened all yep. week. There's been much toing and throwing and some yelling and you know some enemies, some friends became enemies, some enemies became friends. You're but still my enemy. At the end of it, I think we've come up with two really really strong squads. Right. So this uh, this exercise is uh, it's it's imagining that city country still existed today, but with a couple of caveats. No One kangaroos. You can't have played Origin or you can't have played for either. You can't have played for New South Wales or Australia. Mm-hmm. And two injuries don't exist. Yes. So if someone is missing this week with a hamstring strain, I don't give a shit. Um, I'm a, as a city boy born and raised in South Detroit, may I read the city team? Well, given some of the beefs I'm not gonna, that we had, not going to do it. Okay. I promise. Okay. You have my word as a man and as a as a proud blue and mustard man. <laughs> I will say it was funny today. I sent you the screenshot this morning. You know how people check their Facebook memories. 
Um, I had a Facebook memory from 2009, and that was back in the days where you still had to put is at the end of your name for statuses. And it was Matt Bungard is stoked Luke Stewart got a rep jersey. <laughs> and it was the 2009 City Country game, one of my all-time favorite players. But for City, we got at fullback Joseph Swali'i on the wings, the big Wahash, uh, Jacob Kurez, and the Sasa man, Sione Katoa. Uh, in the centres, Isaac Tungo and Paul Alamotti. Isaiah Katoa at 5'8". Lachlan Ilias is the halfback, not the captain, which was the... That was a real point of contention. Um, some some elements of the city selectors were pushing for Lachlan Ilias to assume the captaincy. Mm-hmm. Others would not allow it. Yep. Um, the captain, however, is the prop forward, Toby Rudolph, who was partnered in the engine room by Tavita Totola with... Uh, Jaden Braley at foot half hooker Blake, or Bra- Blake? Blake Braley. A, a Braley. A Braley. One, a, one, of, one of the more notable Braley's. It doesn't matter which one. It's the same output. Uh, Colin Matangi and Homi Olakowatu in the back row. Josh Curran at lock. And then on the bench, Sean Lane, Jacob Creston, Safana Uatukamanu and Jake Avarilla with Will Penasini, the 18th man, and Cam McInnes, the 19th man, because he looks country. I understand he's a South <laughs> Junior, but he feels like a country origin player. It's a strong side. It's a, it's a young side, that, that's for sure. But um, some really, some really uh, promising players in there. I was a uh, bit of a glimpse behind the kimono here. Chad Townsend had that jersey a couple of weeks ago, but uh, Lachlan Ilias managed to rise up and, and, mm. and take it from him. Really excited about the back row. Keon Kolomatungi, Haumoli Olakowatu, both pushing for New South Wales selection this year. This could be the springboard that they need. But that City team, they won't have it all their own way. No. Because we've got, we got a good countryside coming mm. together. Okay, and I will read it out to you now. At fullback, Dylan Edwards. On the wings, Jesse Ramian and Ruben Garrick. I understand Ramian on the wing is unorthodox, but not a lot of wingers. Mm. Not a lot of wingers for country. Yes, that's why he's on the wing. It is why he's on the wing. Okay. He was in the centres and then I had to move him. In the centres, I've got Jared Croker, who's captaining the side, <laughs> and Bradman Best. I don't know why you're laughing. Pause. Like I don't to, know why you're laughing. Well, I wasn't allowed to put Lachlan Elias as captain, but you were allowed Jared to Croker move captains Je- in NRL. Jesse Ramian, who's... Never played. There's no the one wing. else to put on the wing. Mm. There's no one else to put on the wing. Well, you know who? You know who? A fan base has been agitating to play on the wing for many years. No, Jared Croker. No, that, that doesn't sound familiar to me. <laughs> okay, continue. Jared Croker is the captain. He captains an RL team every week. He's he's a bit of an experience, showing the boys what playing for the country means. Okay. Five eight. Nico Hines, halfback. Jackson Hastings, front row. Blake Laurie, Reese Robson, and Mark Nichols. Back row of Hudson Young, Teague Wilton, and Max King. And then a bench of Will Kennedy, Ewan Aitken, Ray Stone, and Josh King. With 18th man, Wade Egan, and 19th man, Lockie Miller. Good team. Good team. Mm. Good team. Not as, uh, not as many outside backs as I, as I would have hoped. Um, and forwards got a little bit thin after the starting pack. I think it's interesting in both these teams. You can kind of see how the demographics of, of rugby league are changing, and you can see the decline of um, the decline of rugby league in the country is especially based around a lot of forwards. And a lot of forwards come to the city and get onto weight programs and all that sort of thing, and it just doesn't. It kind of dilutes the number of country forwards available. But yeah, two really good sides. Uh, coaching country will be Danny Badiris, and coaching city will be Robbie Farah. Yep. So those two teams will lock horns at uh, Apex Opal in Dubbo on eight at eight thirty PM on a delayed telecast on Friday night, and we wish them all the best. I thought we replaced Robbie Farah, but anyway, it's fine. It's right. Chaos in the city selectors. No, I meetings. thought because I said Cameron Sorrell though. Dip, uh, but he's, he's got to coach the dogs on Friday night. What? Yeah, man, I'm, I'm just telling it like it's it is. Outrageous! I can't have <laughs> Robbie Farrow ruining another one of my beloved teams as he did with South. Oh, those colours don't run. Yeah, but congratulations to everyone who got selected. Huge. Uh, Luke Stewart's on the coaching staff. Oh, w- without question. Okay. Sean Fensom's on the coaching Paul staff. Paul Stringer for on the country coaching staff. Ah, uh, yes. Okay, good. He's our, he's our security guard. You know how, you know how rough Dubbo can get. Yeah, of course. Uh, all right, a uh, bit of other news before we get out of here. Uh, the Josh Schuster situation continues to get weirder and weirder. We joked that the Tigers were going to pay him eight hundred grand a year to play five eighth for them, but uh, there's some rumblings that he might be on the way out. Well, yes, the Schuster situation has has degenerated extremely, extremely quickly to the point where there has been suggestions this week that he is going to end up leaving the club. You've got club, you've got former club officials posting things on Facebook pages telling people to grow up and and, and change their lifestyle in a little bit. So it really feels like things are getting torn apart there very, very quickly. Um, I would be very surprised if, if this is the start of Josh Schuster's exit from Manly just because he is someone that the club has been they enormously... They so much in him. Well, There's they've invested no... a lot of time in him. Um, he's been signed to the club since he was since he was 13. And that whole program that they've got of um, bussing guys in from from the west of Sydney, it's sort of delivered players like the Fainu brothers and Helmoli Olakowatu and 
and uh, Josh Schuster. Schuster's kind of really the crown and the the jewel in the crown of that program. So I would be very surprised if he was to move on. But if he was to move on, if he was to leave Manly and he was up for grabs, I would I would love it if Canberra took a look at him. Mm. I really, really would. It's an idea I floated with some of my Raiders mates earlier this week. Surprised at the amount of negative feedback that it you got. You got a lot of it. Got, got a lot of, of it, which I, which I was surprised about. And I think it's clear that, you know, there's there's obviously something going on with Schuster. There's obviously there's some things that he's got to change if he wants to be a, a starting first, a, a, an every week NRL 5'8", and if he wants to make the most of that considerable talent that he has. But he also strikes me as as someone as the kind of player who has done well at Canberra in the past. You know, Canberra recruitment has to all be about value, right? It has to be about signing guys for this amount and then turning them into sort of into, into, into better players. And that's something Canberra's been able to do quite well over the last couple of years. If you look at guys like uh, Joey Leilua, who was kind of persona non grata at Newcastle, came down to Canberra, turned into one of the best centres in the comp. Junior Paulo was sort of losing his weight a little bit at Parramatta, came down to Canberra, had two two really great years, went back to Parra, and then everyone realised how good he was all of a sudden, you know? Even down to someone like um, Albert Hopperwadi, who was coming off a bunch of knee injuries, needed a change, had to get into a new environment where he could probably get away from home a little bit and just focus on his, focus on his footy, and now he's someone who I think is going to be a first grader for the next seven or eight years easy. So I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not saying Canberra are interested. I'm not even saying it would work. But I, I think if Canberra offered Josh Schuster the, the, the Joey Leilua pitch, the Junior Paulo pitch, it seems to me to be a signing that could work really well for them. You get down here, you get away from home and all the temptations that come with it. You focus on your footy. You're at a club with a lot of strong Polynesian leaders, which I think would be a really good thing for Josh Schuster. I just think it would be a really, really good fit. Yeah, I mean, I, I, if, if they could get him on the straight and narrow, I absolutely agree. Um, I, 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 I also think it's a chance worth taking. I'm still a big yeah, believer in his ability. Yeah, this is all... I, I don't think there's any way Manly's going to let this guy leave. I don't, I don't think they so either. I'm just, I'm just so kicking much, around ideas here. Yeah. I agree, but I'm just saying that they've put, so put so much into this guy over the last yeah. decade. Like I just don't see it. He's too talented. It's the same thing with the people thinking that Sam Walker's going to be leaving the Roosters. Yeah, that, that, that to me also seems pretty... That hilarious. seems very you think unlikely. That these guys, like, again, like you think that... They put all this investment. They they went to just such huge lengths to get this guy down to the Roosters in the first place. And you think after the first setback that he's had, that they're going to just sack him off? Yeah, I don't think so. There were some interesting quotes from um, Sam Walker the other day. Did you? Did you? See I missed that one. Yeah. So I'll pull them up in a second. Whilst I pull them up, um, at some awful news with um, Raiders young gun Jacob Iasefer. Yosefa? Iosefa? Yosefa. In, in a car accident, fighting for his life. Do you know much about him? No, not really. But yeah, it's terrible news to come out of Canberra. I understand he's still doing it pretty tough at the minute. So hope um, hope things work out for him. Yeah, so I've got the Sam Walker quotes. I'm not giving up. I will be back. I definitely want to stay at the Roosters. The club has done a lot for me and I've been here for a few years. The Roosters is where I want to be and the talk about me leaving. There's no chance. It just goes on a bit like that. But yeah, heartening to see. Yeah, good head on his shoulders, um, Sam Walker. I never thought that he would be the sort to sort of kick up kick up a bit of a tantrum at being dropped. Um, and that's what you want to see from from young halves mm. as well. I, I do think that the Sam Walker stuff, I think we mentioned it when it first happened. A halfback getting dropped earlier in, early in their career is not unusual. No. It happens all the time and it ha- it's happened with some of the best players who to ever play halfback in this sport. I think it's just because of the way the news cycle is now that the second someone gets dropped, people start linking him to leaving the club and going elsewhere and all that sort of thing. But he's, he's, I think it's pretty clear that he's still the Roosters. The Roosters yeah. still see him as their long-term guy and he still sees the Roosters as his long-term spot, you know. And while the Roosters are doing pretty well without him, I think it's a mistake to sort of throw out one of the most, talent, oh, yeah, one of the most sure. talented young players in the competition based on two matches, um, you know. The Roosters don't make reflexive decisions like that. Can you that. explain this insane Sean Johnson story? Yeah, so it's only, this is only just coming out in the last um, hour or so, but apparently the West Tigers are considering making a play to bring Sean Johnson over from New Zealand. When? For next year. Okay. I think there's more of a chance of me playing halfback for the Tigers. Seems very unlikely. Than Sean Johnson. Yeah. Well, it just it's, it's like Sean Johnson. It the Benji he's been factor? So, well, you can never write off the Benji factor, you can't. but like Sean Johnson has been really open about how tough he did it in the years away from New Zealand, not just with Cronulla, yeah, but the also whole yeah, I'm just... also went last year when they were based in Australia for the for three quarters of the season, you know. And I think it's clear how how well he's and doing. He's playing now. great, yeah. He's playing great now that he is back home. You know, I I I think it's very very unlikely that he ever leaves the Warriors or New Zealand ever again. Would you be know? very so, strange. And he's so, how old is he now? 
He's 32. It'd be very strange. So apparently the idea is the Tigers like some of the young halves they've got coming through the grades, but they're just not they're not ready to throw any of them into the fire just yet. Right, all right. But uh, yeah, the the language in the story said that they are, the Tigers are considering making a play, not that they are making a play. So as I would be stunned if this if this one comes yeah. off. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Johnson Johnson in New Zealand is a recipe for success and yeah, I don't know why you would fuck around with that. Yeah. All right. We're going to get out of here. But before we do, a shout out to the people in the top two tiers on our Patreon subscription service. Um, if you want to be a member, go to patreon.com forward slash rookies. Uh, you get access to our Discord server, discount merchandise. You can nominate a guy for what about this bloke. And uh, you'll get uh, you'll get invited to our Magic Round meetup this weekend. Uh, current patrons already know where that is. But yeah, if you want to come, you can just be a, become a member today. That's right, you baby. You can meet up tomorrow and get a free beer. That's a good deal. It's like when you sign up at a workers club and get a birthday voucher. Pays for itself. There you go. Mm. The art of the deal. That's right. All right. And a thank you to Chris Abnell, Dave, Rocky and Rafi, Stu, Where's Wayno, Alex Sergicomi, Butsy, Chewbacca Snuffleupagus, Dan Cullinane, David, Doc Hogg, an anonymous backer, Ed Burton, Frankie, Horsburgh Scoresborough, Jace Felix Farnworth, Jason, Jez, Joel Wrigley, John, Josh Brandon, kicks house out of the comp, Lifelong, uh, Lachlan Hancock, Lifelong Dolphins fan, Luke Charles Smidmore, Maddie Jenkins, Matthew Duggan, Michael Murray, Mr. Beefy, Morgan Watkins, My Team's Bench is Your Team's Marquee, My Ding Ding Dong is Hard and I Am Sad, Never Trendy, Pat McManus, Ray Stone Gossard, Reese Brown, Robert Edwards, Roxanne Clark, Shunter, Ty, TB, The Black Vegetable, Thor, Tom Hardy, Was, and West Slice Podcast. Thank you so much for your support to everyone in lower tiers and everyone in distance. Thank you as well. The real magic was the patrons we made along the way. That's right. Uh, all right, we're got to get out of here. Um, if you're coming up, hopefully we'll see you this magic round. If you're not, enjoy the footy and come up next year. Just do it. Don't miss it. You'll you'll you won't regret it. You won't you, regret it. You might even and even if you do, you might regret coming, but you'll always regret not going. That's right. Okay, let's go. Say goodbye, Campo. Bye, Bertrand. Go magic round. <laughs> it's goodbye from me. <laughs> <laughs>